I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello everybody, welcome to this episode of the Liga Lowdowns Club Podcast Series. This is a series where we go through the story of every La Liga club, and this time around, we're going to be telling the story of Real Sociedad. I'm Hugh McTeer, and I'm your host, and we've got some great guests coming up as we tell this story. we start off by listening in to some of Real Sociedad's greatest moments to get in the mood. Campeón Real Sociedad, como nuestro teleprinter... Lo expresa ante ustedes, campeón, sin duda, sin tacha, como corresponde a un campeón. de la línea, ahí va el lanzamiento pita el árbitro, le pega a Oyarzaba al pierna izquierda We heard there the sounds of Real Sofita's most recent La Liga win, their most recent qualification for the Champions League and their most recent Copa del Rey success That Copa del Rey success of course was very recent, so Let's hear about how Real Sociedad came to be and how they came to be so successful. We've got Paco Pollock coming up with the Real Sociedad origin story after a quick listen in to the club hymn. The origins of Real Sociedad reflect a common theme in the Basque country at the turn of the 20th century. Students returned from the United Kingdom and began to set up sporting clubs, with football emerging across the region, including San Sebastián, a beautiful northern coastal city. The new football club shared its facilities with the cycling club at Atocha, and they eventually merged. It was under the name Club Ciclista de San Sebastián that they won the Copa del Rey in 1909. This is included on La Real's honours list, though some would dispute it on this technicality. Sociedad de Fútbol was then officially founded in September 1909, with Sociedad meaning society and with the football term separating the club from its cycling past. A year later, they were given royal patronage by 
King Alfonso XIII, and thus became known as Real Sociedad. Their familiar blue and white colors, the Churi Urdin, reflect the colors of San Sebastián's flag. In the inaugural La Liga season, 1928-29, La Real were the top scorers in the league, with 46 in just 18 games, and their forward Paco Bienzoas was the first winner of the Pichichi with 16 goals. This is the only time La Real has ever had a Pichichi winner. However, they weren't able to win the title, finishing fourth. Then, in 1931, there was a three-way tie between La Real, Athletic Club and Racing Santander. Unfortunately for La Real and their English coach Harry Lau, their inferior head-to-head -head meant they finished third. The 1940s were a decade of turbulence in the aftermath of the Spanish Civil War. La Real became a Jojo club. They were promoted four times and relegated on three occasions in just nine seasons. In 1957, San Sebastián Club de Fútbol was formed, the club's B team, now known as Sanse. Its importance to the club cannot be underestimated and it serves as the link between the club's renowned youth academy, Zubieta, and the first team. The heyday for the club undoubtedly arrived in the 1980s. Basque football was on the rise and becoming the preeminent force in Spanish football. La Real won back-to-back -back league titles in 1981 and 1982, the only times they have been Spanish league champions. The signs were already positive. In 1979-80, coached by former player Alberto Ormaechea, the Churi had been unbeaten in the first 32 matches of the season. Agonizingly, defeat to Sevilla in the penultimate game left them one point behind Real Madrid. Ultimately, too many draws had cost them. The next season, they went again. They actually underperformed compared to their previous campaign, but finished strongly winning five in a row going into the final game. They were one point clear of Real Madrid and remember, it was two points for a win back then. Real Madrid beat Real Valladolid, so La Real needed a draw away at Sporting Gijón to take the title on head-to-head. -head. But in torrential conditions at El Molinón, they were losing with just minutes left to play. Jesús María Satrustegui had been their top scorer, but it was his namesake, Jesús Zamora, who came up with the goal, a 89th-minute equalizer that clinched their first league championship, with Real fans rejoicing long into the night. Their European Cup debut ended at the first hurdle, but they retained the league title, again finishing their season strongly. Despite crashing out of the Copa on penalties in the semis, they held their nerve to reach the top of La Liga, but they had to win the final game to seal it, given their inferior record against Barcelona. At a packed Atocha Stadium, they defeated rivals Athletic Club with a 2-1 scoreline. If the previous season had been agony turned to ecstasy, this was the sweetest possible way to win again. In 1983, La Real were competing on four fronts, La Liga, Copa, Supercopa and European Cup. They won their first and only Supercopa, overturning a first-leg deficit against Real Madrid in the new two-team format. They also achieved their best-ever continental performance by reaching the European Cup semi-finals, but lost to eventual winners Hamburg. After seven years in charge, Orma Echea was replaced by John Benjamin Toshak. The Welshman led the team to the Copa in 1987. They put 10 goals past Mallorca in the quarters before defeating Athletic in the semi-finals, winning the second leg away at San Mamés. In the final, they went ahead twice in Zaragoza, but Athletic pegged them back both times. La Real, though, eventually won 4-2 on penalties. Yet, this would be their last trophy for over three decades. 
Without doubt, one of the most significant moments of the 20th century was the club's decision to change their transfer policy. Like Athletic Club, they had always used Basque or homegrown players, but were frequently usurped in the market by their bigger, wealthier neighbors. Their brightest talent was also picked off by the likes of Barca. So, in 1989, they took the decision to sign foreign players, but not non-Basque Spaniards. It was a compromise the hierarchy hoped would be acceptable to fans. The reality was a bit more complicated. The first foreigner to be signed was lovable Irish scouser John Aldridge. Fans were vehemently opposed at first, scrolling graffiti amid a wave of hostility. Despite this, Aldridge soon settled and scored six in his first eight, including a brace against Barca, the winner against Atleti in the Copa and the goal against Real Madrid. His work ethic and committed performances helped to win over the supporters who began to see tangible benefits of this new approach in transfers. As Real Sociedad entered the new millennium, several new and exciting players would be signed. Some more great moments were still to come. That's right, there were some great moments up ahead, so let's hear about those now as Roman de Archer picks up the narration. To talk about Real Sociedad in the 21st century, it's better to jump straight to the 2002-2003 season in which they finished the league in second place, just two points behind Real Madrid. They completed a wonderful campaign, with a squad made up of players such as Valery Carpin, Xavi Alonso, De Pedro or the attacking duo Kovacevic and Nihat, who scored 20 and 23 goals respectively. In fact, Real Sociedad were the team to spend more time at the top of the standings, mainly from match day 6 to 23. They then had a bit of a slump, dropping down to third, but would return to the top in match day 34, with just four games left till the end of the season. They held on for the next two games, but in the penultimate match, a 3-2 defeat versus Celta de Vigo saw Real Madrid take over and end their hopes of their third Spanish league title, given that Los Blancos would defeat Athletic Club by 3-1 in the last game of the season to seal their overall victory. A tough blow which at least gave them the opportunity of playing in the Champions League the following season. Juventus, Olympiacos and Galatasaray were the teams they had to face in a tough group from which they managed to pull through. They finished second with 9 points behind Juventus and met Olympique de Lyon in the round of 16. But two 1-0 defeats against the French side ended their European journey. The worst part was that due to all the effort they were putting into the Champions League, their domestic league performances were being affected in a negative way. By the time the group stage had finished, Real Sociedad only had 15 points in 15 games and were in the relegation zone. Shortly after, in the month of January, they bounced back and achieved a good run of results, but they would end up flirting with those bottom positions for most of the season, ultimately avoiding the fall by a 5-point margin. The following seasons would be tough for Real Sociedad institutionally, economically and in terms of football. The squad was very far off from the level it had displayed when they were runners-up to La Liga, always finishing in the bottom half of the standings until the 2006-2007 season when it all went wrong for them. Despite completely renewing the squad in hopes of not having to suffer as in previous years, the complete opposite happened and Real Sociedad finished 19th, ending a 40-year streak in the Spanish top tier. They would remain away from La Liga for three years and would have to celebrate their 100th anniversary in 2009 in Segunda División. 
but at least they wouldn't have to wait much longer to return to Primera given that they went on to win the league. Since then, Real Sociedad have avoided falling back down, only struggling slightly in the 2010-2011 campaign right after their return. From there on, they've always managed to qualify 12th or higher. In 2013, they even finished 4th in La Liga in Champions League positions, partly thanks to their feared attacking trident formed by Antoine Griezmann, Carlos Vela and Imanol Aguirreche. Although they had to go through the playoff round where they met an old acquaintance, Olympique de Lyon. This time, they got their revenge with a convincing 4-0 win after two legs. Yet Real Sociedad would not get any other win in the Champions League after drawing a tough group with Manchester United, Bayer Leverkusen and Shakhtar Donetsk. They only managed one point in a 0-0 draw versus United. The rest were all defeats. But the disappointment was quickly forgotten with a fantastic Copa del Rey run which guided them to the semi-finals. They dispatched Algeciras, Villarreal and Racing de Santander but then fell to Barca 3-1 on aggregate, missing out on the final. In the league, they dropped to the 7th spot in the last match day. But luck was on their side given the two Copa finalists were Barca and Real Madrid which opened up an extra spot to fight for Europa League positions which went to them. But they didn't make the most of that opportunity given they lost to Krasnodar 3-1 on aggregate after defeating Aberdeen 5-2 in the previous qualifying round. Real Sociedad would continue to put on decent performances in La Liga until 2017 when they finished 6th and got another shot at Europa League. A second position in the group stage took them straight to the round of 16 where they faced Red Bull Salzburg in a very close tie which ended 4-3 on aggregate for the Austrian side. But then came Imanol Alguacil in 2018 to build something special. At first he was just used as a caretaker to finish that ongoing campaign, but he was then given a second opportunity that same year in December after Asier Garitano failed to meet expectations. And what a good decision that was. He got La Real to finish 9th while he developed plenty of talent from the club's youth system and then took the team a step further the following season by finishing 6th. He also got them to the Copa del Rey final after overcoming tough opponents Espanyol, Osasuna, Real Madrid and Mirandés to then meet eternal rivals Athletic Club in the grand finale. Although the game wasn't played until 2021 given the COVID-19 pandemic. After almost 12 months of waiting, Real Sociedad managed to lift their third Copa del Rey after a 1-0 win thanks to an Oyarzabal goal from the penalty spot. A long wait for more silverware but definitely worth it. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That Copa del Rey success really was deserved for Real Sociedad, a club doing things the right way, a club with values, a club with traditions. We're going to discuss now some of the individuals who have made L'Areal what they are, and we do so with Matt Clark. Matt has the difficult task of picking just three Real Sociedad legends to talk about. Here are the three he selected. Alberto Ormaiche was an unassuming defender who enjoyed a decent playing career, but it was his time as coach that he truly made his mark. First, he became assistant to head coach Jose Antonio Irulegui, and in 1978, he took the reins himself. His seven-year tenure was the most decorated chapter in Real Sociedad history. He led the team to 38 La Liga matches unbeaten between April 1979 and May 1980, a record which remains intact to this day. Their very first league title arrived in 1981 in the reign of Asturias, and it was retained in 1982, sealed with a final day win over Athletic Club at Atatocha. The Supercopa followed, as well as the semi-final of the European Cup, the furthest the club has ever reached in European competitions. Ormaichea sadly passed away in 2005, is remembered with a monument outside Anoeta. He would have been immensely proud to see Imanol Alguafil emulate his pathway and win a trophy for his beloved La Real. Jesus Maria Satrustegui was a native of Pamplona, but he made a big impact in Gipuzkoa. Another one-club man, he made his debut in September 1973 and scored his first goals in a 2-1 away win at Mestalla six months later. By the time he retired in 1986, he had scored 163 goals in 375 appearances. He remains the club's all-time record goalscorer. He was integral in their title-winning campaigns. He was the team's top scorer in 1980-81 with 16, many of them crucial for victories. The following year, he was part of a trio up front who all made double figures as Larreal retained their title. Satrustegui's winning goal against Espanyol proved crucial in sending his side joint top with two games to go. Unfortunately, this was the last time he registered double figures for the season in the league after six on the bounce. A serious knee injury plagued him and eventually forced him to retire. I could have picked another from the golden era of the early 1980s, or I could have even made a case for Mikel Oyafabal or Imanol. In 10 years time perhaps, they may be guarantees. But for now, I've gone with a recently retired legend. Xavi Prieto was born in San Sebastián, was a boyhood fan, then became another one club man, serving for 15 years and eventually becoming captain. He had a particular attraction to scoring against Real Madrid. A brace in 2004 in his first game against Los Blancos, which ended in a 4-1 win. And in 2013, he scored his only hat-trick against them, albeit in a losing cause. With 530 appearances for La Real, he is fifth in their all-time list. These games came across La Liga, Segunda, La Copa, the Champions League and the Europa League, a wide variety of stages. Bafflingly, he was never capped for Spain. In his final home game in 2018, Real Sociedad replaced their club crest on their shirts with a retro graphic of his face. If that doesn't prove how much of a legend he is, I'm not sure what will. His final farewell came at Camp Nou, 
and fittingly coincided with Andres Iniesta's final Barcelona game. Needless to say, there was universal appreciation and an emotional ovation for this unique pair as they said adios. Xabi Prieto truly lived the dream. It's always special when your club has players or captains who are fans of the club themselves and that was the case with Xabi Prieto. Let's now talk about the fan base at Real Sociedad and about what a home match is like. We'll do so with Phil Ball who has lived in the city for three decades. Here's Phil to explain what it's like to support Real Sociedad. Well, I think the first thing you have to understand about the Real Sociedad scene is that uh, the club is situated in the city of San Sebastián and San Sebastián is the most expensive city in Spain. Um, we're talking about a region called Guipúzcoa, which is wealthy. And uh, Basques are reserved anyway, but wealthy Basques are even more reserved. You know, So I think that what happens is that this is a club, this is a city where people don't really want to look as though they've got nothing else to do. And so I think that conditions a little bit, not so much the match day experience, but certainly the, the sort of atmosphere that, that, that surrounds the club. Um, you know, the noisier element of Real Sociedad are all go crazy about this. They don't like it. They, they prefer it to be much more like the, the Bilbao experience, if you like. But uh, this is also conditioned a little bit by the history of the club, because uh, when I came here 30 years ago, they were still playing in the famous Atocha Stadium. Uh, Atocha was a smaller ground. It was it looked a bit like Loftus Road, Q, QPR England. In England. It, looked, it looked typically like an English ground. And uh, it was tightly packed to the rafters. It was kind of hostile. And it was also set in Egea, a neighbourhood which is about the closest you'll get to a, a working-class neighbourhood in the centre of San Sebastián. Uh, what happened is that when that moved, it moved to uh, a neighbourhood called Amara, uh, which is kind of neither here nor there. It's, I'd say it's probably a lower-middle-class neighbourhood, let's say, again, uh, just off the centre of the of the city. Uh, Anueta itself was built with an early 90s aesthetic, you know, and, uh, well, the aesthetic was very, was very nice, but it was unfortunately rather cold and the atmosphere didn't really work. Certainly it was a huge contrast to Atocha and... Um, Real Sociedad fans pretended to like it for a few years, but then it, they became vocally against it. It had an athletics track around it, you know, a little bit like the the German clubs of the 80s. And it just didn't work. Nobody used the athletics track and it it, it, it distanced the supporters from the uh, the action. It just didn't work, really. I mean, it's quite surprising that they, <clears throat> they kept it there for so long, but it was a, a municipal project. It's much better now because even though it's in exactly the same place, the ground's been remodelled uh, on a more postmodern aesthetic, let's say. But the uh, the um, the ground's much more tightly packed. The acoustics are much better, and the, the match day experience is far far superior to what it was in Anoeta. Uh, outside, what you've got in Amara is a, a long avenue called Avenida Madrid, which which kind of culminates in Anoeta. So when you're right at the top of the avenue, you can see Anoeta from quite a long way away. It becomes almost like a sort of pilgrimage, if you like. So people do tend to walk down Avenida de Madrid. Uh, all the buses going down there on the match day are all going to Anoeta. It's the same destination, and they they kind of stop at the bottom and they 
spew all the people out onto the onto the streets and uh, everybody coming out of those buses of course is is going to the match they all sort of spew out and go into the bars there are two typical bars one's called Barventa it's opposite the ground another one's called Bar Shanti which is to the right of the ground there are Venta people and Shanti people and of course you've got the hot dog stands you've got the churro stands you've got the sweet stands you've got People coming and going, scurrying like insects to the ground, making a lot of noise. Uh, and in that sense, it's very much, you know, the same. Uh, again, in, 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 we're in the Basque country here, so you'll hear two languages. You'll hear a lot of people speaking Basque. A lot of people do speak uh, Basque Usquera in, uh, in San Sebastián. Uh, you'll hear people speaking Spanish. You'll, you, you get this mixture of languages when you're inside. Uh, and the public announcements are made. They're always made first in Basque and second in Spanish. That's just the way it is. That's absolutely fine. But, you know, I, I wouldn't want to suggest that uh, Real Sociedad is some kind of snobby upper-middle-class club. It's not. Uh, it, its supporter base is uh, is very wide and, 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 and varied, uh, I think. And uh, there's as much keenness here as there is in a place like Bilbao. But what I mean is that, you know, when you walk into San Sebastián, you don't get that feeling that it's a football city necessarily. You know, you, you've got to know about it. When you walk into Newcastle or you walk, you walk into Bilbao, there's just that smell in the air about, well, this is, this is a football city. You don't get that in San Sebastián. And I think that's because of its, it's a very beautiful city. It's, you know, the Rio of Spain, if you like. And so that's not the first impression you get. Nevertheless, you know, uh, the Real fans would uh, would hate me to suggest that uh, they were any less enthusiastic than, for example, uh, Athletic Bilbao fans uh, towards their club. Thanks for that, Phil. This then has been the story of Real Sofidat. I want to thank everybody who's contributed to this episode. That's Paco Pollitt, Roman de Arker, Matt Clark and Phil Ball there. I've been your host and we are La Liga Lowdown. You can find us online and on social media For now, thanks for listening to this episode and we hope you'll join us again soon. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 